Good to see you all this morning. Um, if, uh, as Matthew said, if you don't know me, my name's Richard, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, Happy New Year to you. It's my great pleasure to welcome you here this morning, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've been anticipating today for an awful long time, in some ways for 11 years. I'll explain a bit more about why in just a moment, but today, January the 8th, represents a whole new season, a whole new start for us as a church, and I'm super excited about that, and I hope you are as well. If you're a guest here, I should just explain a little bit, just to give you some context about what I've just said. Gateway is a church with two congregations. We have this congregation here on Ashley Road, and we have another congregation up at Alder Road, and uh, because of a building project that we've just completed at Alder Road today, we are kind of relaunching both congregations with new vision and new defined teams and uh, new defined congregations in each location. And I, as I said this already, I'm super excited about what this means for us all. There will be all sorts of exciting opportunities for all of us in this next season to participate in what God is doing amongst us. Every single one of us who are part of this family in this next season, may God inspire you and empower you to just fully play the part that he's given you in what he is doing amongst us here. Uh, We really believe that a local church like this, this is kind of deep in our DNA, is meant to operate as a family. The Bible teaches that we are the family of God, and in a family, as you know, if you're part of a family, everyone has a role to play and a responsibility to play their unique part in making sure that the family flourishes. And uh, so, so too here. Jesus is our head, and uh, we follow him. We all together comprise the multicolored, multi-generational, multi-gifted family of God. Everyone has a part to play here. Everyone has a full seat at the table. I really hope you feel that and kind of have that sense of ownership yourselves as well. That's my prayer for us, and uh, really hope that that's uh, what we experience in the seasons ahead. Hopefully, if you're a guest, that gives you some context as to where we are as a church, and if you're looking to make Gateway your home, well, you couldn't really have joined us at a better time. We are literally all starting out together again, so welcome to you as well. Now, getting to this place has not been without its battles. I mentioned earlier it's, it's been a kind of a project that I've been part of for 11 years. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of this has been about the building project up at Alder Road, which has kind of enabled all of, of what I've just said. And I have, almost on a daily basis for the last 11 years, been working um, on that and kind of making sure that that happens. And I can tell you now that that's not been without its battles, raising huge amounts of money as we have as a church and constructing buildings and establishing communities of people is, is never easy. And especially when you're dealing with spiritual matters, matters of life and death. That's what we are doing. That's what we're dealing with here. The most important thing in the world is the gospel. And, uh, and that's worth mentioning because we often see this pattern amongst God's people in the Bible. There is very often, battles to fight and mountains to climb and for the people of God in order to overcome trials and take new territory. And then hand in hand with this, there is rest for the people of God as we partner with Him to overcome trials and to take land for Him as well and to break into new territory, war and rest. This is a a rhythm that's kind of, it's baked into soldiers, and it's also a kind of rhythm that we see in what God is doing amongst 
his people. We should never be surprised by battle, and we should always know the rest of God. And I want us to push into that this morning. In fact, the whole storyline, the whole arc of history is a little bit like that. We, we battle through the trials of life, knowing that one day we will know the peace and rest of God for eternity in a new world of his making. This is the hope that we live with. In that sense, our, our daily battles are in a way kind of like uh, uh, finding peace and operating from that place of peace and rest in our hearts. We've just come through this season of battle as a church to get here, and I'm really praying that we enjoy peace and rest together, but not that we might kind of cruise off into the sunset with our feet up, but that we regroup in order to go again, because that's how it is. There's a rhythm, battle and rest and war and, and peace to see our territory enlarged as God enlarges us in all sorts of ways. And it's this that I'm really anticipating, because in our context, gaining new ground should include all sorts of gifts emerging amongst us and leaders emerging amongst us and building projects here in this building that enlarge our space as God enlarges us and churches being planted from here and people being sent to the ends of the earth for the gospel. Hopefully all of these things will involve you and I. So don't be surprised if God starts to birth a new gift in you. Jesus promised and said he would build his church in all the earth, in every generation, through his people. And therefore, it stands to reason that he'd provide the necessary resources in you and I to do that. There's been times in my life where I've been surprised at my ability to do something I didn't think I could or called to something I didn't think I was. That's because God breathes in. He inspires. He, he provides gifts for the building up of the church to play our part in the family together. So, this morning, as we embark on this journey together, I, I want to do two things. I want to I outline, first of all, what it means for us to war and rest as the people of God in this next season. And as I do that, I'm going to speak for slightly longer than I normally would, and I apologize for that, but I, I want to take some time to introduce a number of people and areas in church that will help us to know how to go to battle for each other, and also just very practically to know who our people are and how we're going to operate in this family together. So be prepared. There's going to be uh, a fair bit of standing up and sitting down and applauding and that kind of thing. So warm your legs up, warm your knees up, warm your hands up, get ready. Of course, if you stand, please make sure you sit back down on the same seat. I've made the horrible mistake once sitting on someone's lap, knocking someone's hat off. So just, we'll do this in a very orderly way as well. Okay. I want us to look at the uh, theme of war and rest from the first few verses of the book of Joshua. Many of you will know that uh, Joshua was a, was a military commander. Here's a, here's, a, here's a photograph we took of Joshua coming up. There he is. And, uh, and, and, and God asked him to lead Israel from the desert wilderness where they had been living for the last 40 years into a land called Canaan, which God had promised them generations before. If you, if you know the history, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. There's Ben Kingsley being a slave. Under the tyrannical Pharaoh for 400 years. And one day God says, that's enough. And he sends Moses to go and free them from slavery. And they all leave Egypt together. And they go into the wilderness together. And so they enter into the wilderness en route to Canaan, en route to this promised land. 
And that's where they stay for the next 40 years in the wilderness as God shapes them and forms them and grows them together as a people and matures them in order to prepare them to inherit this land that he's promised them and that in order that they will root down in that land and establish worship and serve as a demonstration and an invitation to the whole world that Israel's God is alive, that he rescues people from slavery, and that he brings salvation and rest to his people. That's the kind of background narrative. And that is exactly true for us today. When people come in amongst us here at Gateway, they should encounter a people who have been set free from the sting and the slavery of death, because he's given us life in its fullness when Jesus went to the cross. This is good news for us. And they should encounter a people who are living out the freedom and the peace of not having to live under the tyranny of the many pharaohs of our age who would have you bow down to them. We're free from that kind of slavery. That's what Jesus has done for us. We're free to live in the worship and the wonder of the God who made us and loves us. And that should also serve as a kind of compelling invitation to the watching world to join in with us, to join in with what God is doing here at Gateway through our lives and through his purposes here and through what he's been doing throughout all of human history. Amen? Okay, good. So at the end of this 40 years in the desert, the people of Israel are encamped in the desert on the plains of Moab. And in the distance, after 400 years of slavery and after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they can finally see it. Just over the River Jordan in front of them is the promised land of Canaan, this place that God had promised his people and promised that they would settle and find rest, a place that was so abundant that it would feel metaphorically like the rivers were full of milk and honey. But Canaan was a place that was filled with the worshippers of false gods and practitioners of magic and appalling human abuses and even child sacrifice. That was just the way of the world in those days. And so God issues Joshua and the Israelites with a, with a charge and a promise. He says, you must go to war against these people, and you must drive them out. You must cleanse the land. There is battle ahead, and I will go with you as you do so. And then you will inherit that land, and you will live in peace. There's a good kind of operating model for us here. Let's, let's read this story together. This is Joshua 1, and it's, we're going to read the first nine verses. It'll come up on the screen, but of course, there's Bibles all around. Help yourself if you'd like to as well. Joshua 1, verse 1 to 9 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, who is Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people, get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's a big space. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous 
because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it. So turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, third time, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the that's the charge. That's the charge to the people of God then, and it's the same charge to the people of God now. Be strong and courageous, Gateway, for I am with you, he promises. Obey my instructions and take the land. Take the territory that I put before you, because the Lord your God is with you. Gateway, the Lord is with you. There is never a moment in your life for the follower of Jesus, that you are forsaken. Wherever you are, whatever you face, God is with you. It's worth just dwelling on that. Take some time this week to dwell on that. Whatever you're facing, God is with you, and he commands you to be strong and courageous. And then, a little further down in verse 13, we kind of see this this summary statement. This is what it all means. This is not just some kind of purposeless land grab. It says, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Here's the kind of the full flow of that logic. It says, be strong and courageous. God is with you. It says he has land for you to take. And it says that you'll find rest in that land. That's how the narrative of the story flows. So how do we apply that lesson to us here today and in this new season here at 502? There there has been, in every generation, and in every culture, and in every life, a call on the follower of God to be strong and courageous, and to trust and to obey God, and to battle against prevailing circumstances in order to take territory of one form or another. Sometimes those battles are for the souls of people as we partner with God to bring people into his family here, prayerfully battling for that kind of fruit and salvation amongst us. Sometimes those battles are for matters kind of internal to the church family. Completing a a big building project recently would be an example of that. Or the way we operate together as a family. Sometimes that's a battle that we need to face and rest that we need to strive for. Sometimes those those battles are within ourselves as we face personal challenges of various sorts. But we do all of this side by side and together. One body, one family, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, and we need to help each other to exercise trusting God and to breathe faith and confidence into one another as we follow our our, our overcoming God and trust in his help for us to be an overcoming people. And so the Christian life contains, as part of its very fabric, the idea of war and taking new ground. And likewise, the Christian life contains, as part of its very fabric, the idea of rest and peace 
too, because the God of rest and peace goes with us into battle. And as we partner with him, and as we undertake his purposes amongst us, we enjoy his presence and his power. If there's two things that I'm praying for most, it's that we will know God's presence and his power. Because it's his presence and his power that gives us victory, and it's in his victory that we know peace and rest. And so, as we start this new season together here at 502, we should ready ourselves again for these rhythms of war and rest, to trust God, to take new ground for God, and to enter into and abide in God's rest as we do so. There will be challenges ahead of us. There'll be mountains to climb and things to overcome and seasons to navigate and people and souls to battle for. We'll face individual battles. That's part of the Christian life. And in all of this, we're called to be strong and courageous because our God is with us. And these battles go hand in hand with us finding peace and rest in Him. Now, rest for the Christian, the kind of rest that I'm talking about today, that is available today, is not a kind of feet up with a cuppa in front of Netflix kind of rest. That's probably okay for you too. But rest in a biblical sense is the kind of settled Sabbath rest that resides in the heart of the Christian that Jesus is Lord of your life, that he has done everything that is necessary, all the work that is necessary for you to be saved when he went to the cross, and that he goes with you through every single circumstance that you face. That's what it means to find rest in God. That's what's available to the, to the person who follows Jesus. That's, that's what Sabbath rest is. That's what the Sabbath is for. And we should kind of live with this Sabbath in our hearts day by day. Here's why. Hebrews 4.3 says, We who have believed have entered that rest. Gateway, if you, if you love and trust the Lord Jesus, your soul can be at rest. So rest. Enter into his Sabbath rest in every area of your heart and your life. He's done all that was necessary for you and come hell or high water because of his work on the cross on your behalf. Whatever you're facing, you can say it as well with my soul. You can be at rest in God today and every day. Whatever the battle you're facing, whatever the circumstances. And so, people of Gateway, we too need to be a people of active war and active rest. A people of purposeful, coordinated mission and a people of purposeful engagement with God in whom we live and have our rest and peace. There are battles to fight and lands to be won all over the place. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you please blow wind into our sails and help us and empower us and bind us together for mission and help us to live with the settled peace that Jesus Christ is Lord over every battle and over every life. Okay, I want to spend uh, just some time introducing the 
the people and the teams that comprise our congregation uh, here at 502, because if we're going to go into battle together and find rest together, these teams represent something of how we'll organize ourselves to best achieve that. And, and hopefully, it'll be practically beneficial for us all, too, um, to be able to see who's in the room and how we can kind of serve one another. This, this of course, is not the full sum of our coordination uh, together. Whether or not you're on one of these teams, we recognize that all sorts of people serve so faithfully and faithfully battle for the church in all sorts of ways, and we are really so grateful for that. It may be actually that you aren't able to serve on a Sunday team for good reason, and that's totally fine. But as it's our first Sunday together, I wanted to uh, kind of be able for us to physically see how some of these teams will help to structure us and coordinate us. Is that okay? Great. Okay, so firstly, here comes the standing, sitting, and applauding parts. Get ready. I want to highlight our Connect team and our stewards. If you're on those teams, can you please stand for a second? Let's give them a round of applause. Great. I haven't quite worked out at what point I want you to sit. So you can stand or sit or do whatever you like. Just uh, have your glory for a moment, if you like. But these are the guys who were charged with um, making sure that this environment is warm and friendly and comfortable and that the practicalities of all that happens. And importantly, to be the first responders to guests and to make people feel welcome and to help to connect them into the life of the church. This team is led by, if you can put your hands up, the Carters over there and the Rab Johnsers who are over there. Now, and this is an important point. All of us who are part of the church are on the Connect team. It's all of our responsibility to do these things. Otherwise, everything I've just said about family life is, is kind of bunkum. These are just the guys who are on the rotor. The writer Jackie Hill Perry says that a guest standing alone on a Sunday morning is a grade five emergency. I like that. Let's make it our, our joint responsibility to be friendly and welcoming to the newcomer. Next, if you could just stand if you're on the hospitality team. Yes. This team is led by Chris Main over there, who has faithfully served the church in this way for so many years and is responsible for making sure that we have decent snacks and beverages on a Sunday morning. Now, you may say, oh, that's nice. I like cake. I like coffee. And uh, I'm grateful someone's providing that, and that's totally fine. But there's a reason that I've just highlighted these three teams within the context of war and rest. Our world, our society is not naturally inclined to hospitality and warmth and sharing and generosity. You don't have to work too hard to see that. Racism, nationalism, poverty, political ideologies, military conflict, this is the way of the world. These are all the sorts of battles that we are called to fight in this regard. Uh, in this regard. All of them aimed at bringing down walls and building relationships and communities and creating equality and reducing isolation. That's what the hospitality of the gospel calls us into. And that's what Jesus freely offers us. The world is not always a warm and welcoming place. Let's be different. Let's battle for the warmth and the welcome of the gospel for every person who comes through these doors. And let's battle to speak peace and hope and the hospitality of the gospel into our community. 
These are the teams who will lead us in that. Thank you so much, guys. The next group I'd like to stand are the musicians. If you guys could stand for a second, please, and stay standing. These guys do, yeah. Stay standing for a second, let's go. These guys do such a brilliant job of serving us here each week. They're often the first ones, well, they are always the first ones here on a Sunday morning, and often the last ones out the building, practicing during the midweek. can also get the uh, PA and visuals guys to stand up if you haven't already. Let's give them a round of applause as well. Okay, thank you. You can take your seats. These guys are just as hardworking as the musicians, and the only time you really ever get to appraise PA and uh, song words is when it goes wrong. So um, let's be kind to them. This whole team is led here by Steve Russell, and uh, I want to say this about worship. Yeah. <laughs> worship is a central and ancient function of the people of God. When you boil it all down, the life of a Christian should demonstrate worship towards God by living obediently in relationship with Him. That's where we find our soul's rest. And song is just one of the ways that we express that. The Bible teaches that for all time, the myriad angels around God's throne have been singing to Him and forever will be. And through song, they are declaring what they know to be true Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and praise. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. In my mind, I can just kind of see them going, he's worthy. And then the guys on the side going, he's awesome. And it just goes on and on because God is like that. And on and on they go and on and on they sing they always have been, and they always will be. And to daily surrender your agenda, to step off the throne of your own heart, where you and I want to rule, and to acknowledge and to verbally declare that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus alone is good, that Jesus alone is worthy, that Jesus alone deserves the glory because of who he is and what he's done, that isn't always easy. We're made to live lives of worship to God, but we're very often and easily drawn towards the worship of other things. And so this is another area where we need to go to battle for one another and to call out to God. And the Bible tells us to call out to each other through song that God is good. And to Him alone we offer our worship. And on that sense, the job of the worship team isn't to create a nice kind of sing-song for us, to blow out the cobwebs of the week. Their job is to help to catch us up, all of us, into the song of praise and adoration that is eternally being sung, to help us to articulate what our hearts uh, cry and to speak out our battle songs, to help us to declare that Jesus is where we find our rest. Let's battle for that. Let's honor them as they do that and lead us in this. The next uh, team and community I want to mention is our students and 20. Some of these guys are still away for Christmas, but if you are a student or 20, can you please just stand up for a second? Go! <laughs> Liam, you go first. Stand. <laughs> Come on, guys, you stand as well. Let's give them a round of applause. 
That was the quickest stand-up sit-down, but you can, yeah, you can stay standing. I want people to see you and know you. Stand back up. Come on now, people. Chloe Francis, stand up. <laughs> Liam Prisker, blessing, stand up. Matt, stand up. Oh, my word. <sighs> Let's get praying now as well. I said a lot of these guys are still away for Christmas. I think the guys in the room are still away for Christmas. <laughs> Our Students and Twenties Ministry is headed up by Liam and Prisca over here, and uh, these guys do just a spectacular job. They really, really do. Being a student in this day and age is just not easy. It's probably never been more expensive in this country to study uh, in order to enter into a jobs market that is so educationally saturated. And these guys are doing that away from home, battling all the cultural and relational battles that I've already mentioned in probably the most secular period in our nation's history. Being a practicing Christian on a university campus makes you a significant minority in our country. And all of this at a stage of life where the pressures of finance and uncertainty about the future and questions about careers and pressures associated with identity and morality are so in your face. We need to battle for these guys in all sorts of ways. When Lehman Prisca tell me about some of the stuff that's going on in the lives of uh, our students, it's, it's sobering sometimes, to say the very least. These guys have a great time together, but it's not just a social party. There's sometimes some really significant practical and pastoral uh, issues going on and uh, Liam and Prisca are very often, in fact they are, they're our first line of defense in this area. And like you, I deeply want our students and our 20s to flourish here and to set themselves up well in the gospel for the future. This is a significant battleground for us as a church. We need to pray for these guys, for Liam and Prisca particularly, and to repeatedly ask how we can serve and support our students. They have all sorts of initiatives for you to be involved in. Speak to Liam and Prisca about uh, how you can adopt a student. We, um, we've adopted Georgie. There she is, Georgie over there. We've had a brilliant time together as a family. We've cooked together and laughed together and watched loads of TV together. Georgie's done loads of chores at our house as well. It's been absolutely brilliant. So... Um, I encourage you to get in there and speak to Liam and Prisker about that. Our unique selling point as a church for students is that we, we offer a family environment here at Gateway and that we're filled with really strong families. So let's go to battle for these guys by being family to them and continuing to love them and to pray for them and to feed them into the rest and the peace of God. Students, we do love you and we are grateful to God for you and we are in your corner Thank you. Okay, this is where it's going to get messy. Where's, could you go and get the kids, please? Great, thank you. Well, uh, Matthew's doing that. The next group I'd like to stand is the Gatehouse team. Can you stand up if you're on the Gatehouse team, please? Okay, let's give them a round of applause. Woo! This team's a little bit more complex because Gatehouse runs from here in the midweek, but it's staffed from both uh, here and Alder Road. It's led by Paul and Becky Horsley. There they are over there. Yeah, exactly. Who are, if you don't know them, magnificent servants of the church. I commend them to you so highly. They don't have the most glamorous job in the church, but you wouldn't know it to speak to them and hear their enthusiasm for it. Gatehouse has only been going for a few months, but the inventiveness and the commitment of this team has been a constant inspiration to me. Here's uh, a picture of Nick about to come up. There's a picture of Nick. There he is, standing at the back, but there he is there. Nick stands at the doorway week after week in the freezing cold sometimes uh, with some shirts that he's had printed. In fact, he's wearing one right now. Nick, what does that say? 
go and ask me why I'm standing here. And he engages passers-by, and we've been laughing about this. People sometimes see him, and they cross the road. But then week after week, they warm to him as he kind of engages them. And we've had people come in and really open up their lives through that kind of creativity and inventiveness. Gatehouse is a free, warm space with tea and coffee and cake and board games and friendly people. It's open here Thursday and Friday mornings, and it's open to anybody and everybody. We recently had 65 people in here on a Thursday, um, most of them who aren't part of the church, which demonstrates this point, that you don't have to look far for people who are desperately in need of human connection and love. And that is fundamentally what we're here to do, love God and love people. Okay, all of your eyes have hit the door now, so let's take a moment while, go on, bring them in, it's fine. Oh, I can hear tears already, fantastic. Never work with, yeah. Okay, keep them all over there for just a moment. Oh, bless you guys, if you wanna go back to your mum and dad for a sec, you can. Can you just keep them there for just one sec? Thank you, I'm still talking about Gatehouse and I'm gonna speak to all of you guys in a minute, but come on in and stand over there. Great. You're losing some. Oh, never work with animals or children. Okay. Let me just continue talking about Gatehouse for a second. This Gatehouse really is a fierce battleground for us because the cultural narrative is not wired for us to love people. It's usually the opposite. Love yourself and look after number one. Be the, be the god of your own little kingdom. And this does cause us to be relationally isolated and skeptical of truth claims and anti-faith and self-absorbed, which are four things that the gospel calls you to surrender. And Gatehouse is a wonderful vehicle by which we can battle for these things. And here the kind of the, the clanking of chains coming off people, chains of poverty and oppression and isolation, and be knitted into the family of God and come to know God. That's, a, that's our battle. We were all on the other side of that battle at some point. And the rest and the peace that Jesus won for us is now the sustenance and the grace that enables us to go and do that ourselves. Okay, great. Now then, kids and young people. Okay, starting with one end of the age profile, let's see how this goes. We've got the crash team who are led by Jill Mudge. Is Jill in the room or is she still up there? She's upstairs, okay. If you're on the crash team, Jill's gonna come down. Jill leads the team. If you're on the crash team, can you just stand up for a second, please? Great, Let's give him a round of applause, thank you. This is unlike any other sermon you've ever heard. This is not a glorified babysitting service. Creche is an important part of our mission. Jill has a vision to see kids and their parents enriched by the gospel and by gospel living, and she's got a 52-week curriculum to that end, which is fantastic. And as her and Nick have successfully raised four Christ-following kids themselves, I think our youngest demographic is in good hands. So, let's give them a round of applause again. Brilliant. Then at the other end of that age scale, we've got the youth team. Please stand up if you're a youth worker or part of the youth community. Yes. Stand up. Great. Oh, there they are as well. Okay. Now, we'll come back to you guys in just a moment. Suffice to say that for our kids and youth, 
This is actually where I believe the cultural battle is at its most fierce. In this whole theme of battling for, for people and uh, battling for lives, I was having a conversation with Nathaniel, who unfortunately can't be here today because he's not well, but it was him who reminded me that it's our job as elders to call the church to battle specifically for this fragile age group in the fiercest of battlegrounds. Can you guys please stay standing if you're in the youth team or youth worker? Go on, once again. Stand. Thank you. Okay, can you please stand if you are part of the kids' team or a child? Great, thank you. Okay, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, this team is led by Gemma Gillard over there and Vic's my wife, Stamp. Um, they have got a wonderful, that's not her real name, by the way. <laughs> These guys have got a wonderful vision for our kids. It's a kind of battle cry of its own. They simply want to teach our kids to say yes to Jesus in every area of life. That's so simple. And let me tell you this, as a parent myself, so unbelievably radical and different in a culture that has film and music and media constantly drawing you away from God and his people and constantly wanting to draw you into finding your deepest meaning in cheap, shallow 21st century rubbish. And let me tell you something, as a, as a parent of teens myself, I am horrified at what our culture cooks up and applauds and encourages in young people nowadays. Uh, there's some stuff that I saw even this week that encourages our teens. It's sweeping the world. Uh, in, in things that they're meant to do with their body in order to kind of earn life points. Things that I can't even mention from up here. I'd be ashamed to talk about them. It's horrific. Christianity represents the kind of morality and love for others that is in direct opposition with the licentiousness and self-aggrandizement of our culture. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I hear and read and, uh, and throw in the usual pressures of being a young person and in 24-hour social media communication from which you can't escape a culture in which it's almost impossible nowadays to verify truth claims made by politicians and news outlets and other authority figures. And this becomes a very, very difficult world for a child or a teen who's trying to navigate life and cultivate faith in God. I know I sound exactly like my dad right now, but it's horrific. And it's a prayer and a discipleship battle that I am just giving myself to at the moment. Full throttle. I am at war for my kids, and I am absolutely committed to being at war for all of these guys. Will you join me in that? Will you join me in that? Great. We need to kind of... Yeah. We need to kind of, in my mind, I see us kind of like carpet bombing the ground before these guys in prayer so that they can overcome the trials of being a Christian in our society. In a moment, I'm going to ask Gemma to come and pray for these kids, and then I'm going to ask Evie and Lily to come and pray for all of us as well. And I really want to ask you all to commit to battling for them by praying for them this year and by blessing them and by encouraging them. One of the things that we really want to do, this is really what makes Gemma tick, is to create a more intergenerational culture here. Our kids should know that we are for them, and we should listen to and learn from them because we need to understand their world as well in order to serve them. So we want to call you to pray for, and if you feel inclined to, you can even write to some of these kids to encourage them in their faith throughout this year. Remember when we used to write letters? 
and do that again. But if you do decide to do that, please can you address that letter to either Vix or Gemma so that they can engage that child's grown-up as appropriate. And the way to do that is if you write a letter, address it to these guys and pop it in that black tin over there at the back. Maybe one way to do battle this year is just pick a child and just pray like Billy O for them. Pray for them incessantly. Okay, kids and young people, come and stand here. Let's have a lovely look at you. Oh, all over, all over, yeah. Yeah. You can make encouraging noises as they do this, if you like. Okay. Right. Guys, you are not NPCs. Who knows what an NPC is? Hands up. Anybody know? Oh, there's an NPC right there. For the lesson Enlightened Amongst Us, an NPC is a non-player character. That's the person in a computer game who's not controlled by a player. Usually it's the kind of robotic, emotionless person kind of standing there who gets run over by the car in every game or whatever, or shot in the crossfire of a war game. An NPC is an irrelevant character. You guys are not NPCs. You guys are Super Mario. You're Jonesy from Fortnite. You are not noobs. You're pros. Yes? Okay. Great stuff. You are full player characters in this church. We love you guys. We're going to pray for you. We want you to pray for us. And we want to know what's going on in your life so that we can be alongside you. Okay? Gemma, Evie, and Lily. Would you guys just come and pray for us? Gemma, could you grab that microphone, please? Thank you. Gemma, you pray for the kids, and then Evie and Lily are going to pray for us. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you have blessed us with these younger ones. And uh, we just, we are, yeah, we're honoured to have them um, in our care. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help each one of them to know that they are loved, they are found in you, that they're part of this family. And God, we pray that by the end of this year, they would just know how much they are loved by you and by the rest of us, Lord Jesus. And we are grateful for the plans and the purposes that you've got for them, Lord. And we pray that, that this year we'd be able to um, yeah, fan that into flame. God, would you help us as team to do all that we can to help them to say yes to you and uh, yeah, to help them to be knitted into our family here at 502. Amen. I just pray for this new season in Gateway Life. I pray that you would help the youth bless the church and that the church's wisdom would be passed on to us. I really pray that, that, you would, that in this youth group you would leave the, we would leave this building and we would be fully prepared for adult life with you. I pray that for us as a group we would show the adults of this generation how teenagers can really be, not just grumpy people who stay in their room all the time, but people that can go out into the world and really live for you. Just let the youth room overflow with teenagers ready to learn how to love you in the fullness of their life. Amen. 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 Shall I hold it for you, Evie? Okay. Do you want me to hold it? Okay. Well done. The 
before I start, I wanted to share this Bible verse that I found. Um, I am his, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for looking after us and making us your handiwork. Thank you for creating us so we can share to others how great you are. I pray that you will make us strong and courageous so we can fight through all the tough things that you have in store for us. And I pray that the new year will be so much fun. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of your morning, guys. Let's give them another round of applause as they leave. Okay, let me just find where I am in my notes. I've completely lost where I am now. Okay. Okay, so the next group I want to mention is actually the core leadership team. So um, if you're on the core leadership team, can you just stand for a second, please? Thank you. So this is the painters, the carters, uh, the flints, uh, the rustles, Izzy's around somewhere as well, uh, the stamps, the hobbies, who are represented by Emma at the end there, and the Rab Johns is over at the back there. This team, myself included, is charged with pastoring and protecting this congregation. Myself and Nathaniel, who's, as I said, is at home ill today, and Gordon and our wonderful wives, uh, the three of us are uh, elders of the church, and our job is to guard and guide and govern in the church by setting a gospel example, preaching the word, and self-sacrificial service to you all. Uh, and the kind of the biblical model for that is like a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That's the imagery that the Bible uses. And uh, Gordon, myself, and Nathaniel have invited some of these other lovely people to help us in this task. And I'd ask that you'd pray for us and uh, that God, you'd pray that God would sustain us and strengthen us to be able to do this well. We love you or we pray for you. And our singular goal is to see you all flourish in God. I'd ask you to help us to do that by praying for us and lifting up our head and our hands when it gets tough. We're actually going to meet here. We did this morning every Sunday at 10 a.m. Feel free to come and join us to be part of that. But we do crave your prayers. Thank you, guys. If you could sit down, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Fantastic. One of the things uh, that we're going to do here on Sundays once a month is on the first Sunday of each month, uh, we're going to call it uh, Baptism Sunday. And uh, the baptistry will be, it's constructed as you can see, um, but we're, we want to make that the rhythm that's in our diary, first Sunday of each month, so that if you need to get baptized, you can get baptized. And uh, that's, that's a kind of a rhythm that we should get into. And it's also meant to be a sort of a helpful prophetic reminder to us that we should all be helping people to get baptized as well. Wouldn't it be great uh, to, find, to help people to find peace with God by prayerfully battling for them to come to know him and to be baptized into his family? The, the Great Commission instructs us to go out into the world to make disciples, to teach them how to love Jesus and to baptize them. And uh, so I want us to do that. And we're going to be a people who demonstrate the joy of this good news too. If, if what we believe is true, that we were made by the eternal, all-powerful God, and that even though we turned away from Him and put ourselves under the curse of death, that all of this has been put right without any penalty to us 
because Jesus took away our sins at the cross and has brought us by adoption into his family and has given us victory over even death. If that is true, then we should be the happiest people in town. And we should act like it. We should be party people. We should have the merriest of Christmases. We should be merry all year round. So this year, we're going to do that, sometimes together with our friends at All the Road and sometimes just us. In fact, in March, uh, we're going to hold a feast. Some dates will come out about that. We haven't quite worked out all the details yet, but we're going to clear out the room and roll out the tables, and we're going to feast like Vikings. And uh, then we're going to dance. I don't know how that's going to work yet, but that's what we're going to do. And we're going to make opportunities to do that sort of thing regularly because our lives are good news. And in heaven, where we're one day all headed, there's going to be an almighty feast and a whole lot of music. So we might as well get warmed up now. March the 18th. Okay, there's been a whole lot of sitting and standing and applauding today, and this sermon is very unlike what I expect you'll normally hear from me. We'll get back to some proper Bible teaching next week. But we're celebrating one another today, and we're celebrating Christ, and worship, and adoration, and applause rings out through heaven around the throne of God where the ultimate victory is being celebrated, and we want to emulate that amongst us. And so worship and joy and celebration, and prayer, and wise words, and encouragement, and love, is how we fight the battles in our lives. And we center all of this, everything that I've talked about this morning, and everything that the future holds for us, on Christ, who through his own bloody battle, his war with death and sin, has emerged victorious, and has won for us peace and given us rest. The instruction to Joshua right at the beginning was a charge. Often a charge is given to soldiers by a commanding officer. Gateway, I want to I finish by bringing a charge to all of us. It's the, it's the same charge that God brought to Joshua. I'll ask you what God asked him, and what I'm looking for in return is a hearty we will. Can I invite you just to stand with me, please? Band, do you want to come on up as well? Thank you. Charge will come up on the screen. In fact, there it is behind us. Let me read this to you. I'll read it all and then uh, you can respond. Gateway, knowing that our God is with us, will you be strong and courageous? Will you partner with him and with each other? And as God empowers and directs us, will you take ground for him for the sake of the world, for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of his glory? We will. God bless you.